When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All-NBA Show, part of the All-City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades, joining you. Man, everything that could go wrong went wrong on this Monday, a total Monday for us uh, following the Super Bowl. But I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler. Legs, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. I'm great. I had a, I had a, you know, like everybody else, I was locked into the Super Bowl and uh, enjoyed it. It was a pretty much, you know, not a lot going on for that, in that game for a while. And then it got incredibly interesting and, and one of the best finishes we've seen. And just you watched, you know, greatness at work. That's all I can say. Patrick Mahomes yeah. is, is unbelievable. His poise in those situations are just incredible. So it was a great game. I didn't have a dog in the fight. So it's fun to watch a game like that when you're into the game, but you don't really ultimately emotionally care who wins or loses. Do you pull for greatness? I think most people, when you don't have a dog in the fight, you kind of pull for, all right, who has the chance to go down as the all-time great? And that's kind of, like, I hate the Chiefs, right? I'm a Broncos fan. They're in the division, so they're a rival. But I'm watching the game, and I'm just kind of, like, in awe of Mahomes. I, same in awe. And I do, I do sometimes. Like, I can't say that as a blanket statement. It it depends. If there's something about the greatness individually mm, yeah. team wise the coach that just gets on my nerves mm. then then, it, then it's easier to root against that for that reason i don't want any more greatness for that person because they just irritate me yeah. for some reason but but i hear what you're saying i yeah. do and that's why like i was you look i'm a washington commander fan everybody knows that been my whole life so i wasn't a new england fan or anything or brady fan but i, I got news for you i was i would pull for brady when he right. got into those situations to add to the legacy because it was so right. fascinating to me like like to be that great consistently and to do it at that level. So I feel that way about Mahomes. I do. I kind of was pulling for the Niners because I'm an NFC guy. I just kind of root for the NFC team usually. And I like Brock Purdy, that story. So my point was going to be if I don't root for greatness, I do root for the underdog type guy and the guy, the overachiever. Yeah. And that's how I looked at Brock Purdy. So I was kind of pulling for the Niners, but my gut from the beginning told me Mahomes was going to be the difference. And he was, obviously. And then uh, enough about that game. How about the Puppy Bowl? That's what the people really want to know. It, man. It was, it was, it was, it, listen, it, it's edge of my seat, edge of my seat. Yeah. It was a shootout like it is Ooh. most years, a shootout. We, you know, it has a little bit of everything in that game. Yeah. It's a little nerve wracking, but uh, yeah. best news about it is all those puppies are already adopted going to their homes once the game's over. That's the best news. 
Well, there you go. Uh, guys, today we are going to talk about this Mavs team. Got their new players, got their new horses, and they looked incredible. We're going to talk about that one. The Warriors starting to look like giving you little flashes of the old Warriors, including a Steph game winner. And then Legler created a list of teams that he thinks are the most interesting you know, to watch over this final stretch, the home stretch of the regular season. So we're going to talk about all of that on today's show. But first, we're presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Legs, let's start with this crazy Mavs game. I call it crazy because they scored 47 points in the first quarter in the first quarter and it wasn't even like it was just one guy or one lineup the starters started things off then you brought in the reinforcements of pj washington and daniel gafford and it took roughly five seconds for them to fit in catching lobs almost immediately 47 points is a mavs uh franchise record for points in a quarter what stood out to you uh in this big win i'm gonna say First, a big statement, and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I obviously haven't seen every quarter of basketball played this season, but I watch a lot of basketball, so I've seen a lot of quarters. That's the best offensive quarter I think I've seen a team play. <laughs> I, I You can't play better than the Mavericks did out of the gate in that game, and you could see right from the beginning, like right off the bat, uh, Dallas gets a stop on the first possession, and the, the you could hear like you could feel the energy from the crowd. So it was like this was it, it almost felt like a finals game for the energy in this building. Yeah. And I think I think it was a lot of reasons. Look, OKC's a really good team. Yep. So there's that. It was you know it's it's a it's they just made the trades. I think a lot of people were excited about the new acquisitions. Looking forward to seeing them. And as a result, I just felt like Luca had an incredible bounce and energy at the beginning of this game that he doesn't always have. And he he was absolutely sensational. It is as dominant as you can be for an NBA player with his shooting, his driving, and then what he did with his passing to, toward the last you know several minutes of the quarter. You talked about Gafford, P.J. Washington, and immediately Luca rewarded those guys as soon as they stepped <laughs> on the court. But you, like, you literally can't can – I mean, do you agree? Can you play – more perfect offensive basketball than what Dallas did in the first quarter of this game. Because it was everything. It was half-court offense. It was transition. It was the offensive glass. It was great passing. Just They made it look – it was a machine. It looked like a machine where they were just doing exactly what they wanted to do on every possession, whether it was transition or not. And the pieces – then you wonder, okay, sometimes it's just a hot start. Guys shoot the ball well and make some shots, and you think, okay, it's got to come back down to earth. But that entire quarter, you sub new guys in and they just pick up right where the other group left off. So to me, that's what was so impressive about it. And look, this is a game where the Mavs were still missing uh, lively. The report uh, from Tim McMahon said that he worked out with the team on Saturday. So he is inching closer to a return, maybe as early as this week he returns. But if not, certainly after the All-Star break, it looks like. So they're already down one of their key pieces. And you look at it and you go, that's a lot of guys. They had a lot of guys and they just kind of came in waves with a bunch of different guys that could make an impact. And to me, that's what stood out about this game. They haven't been healthy like this, you know, for most of the year. So to be able to see what it looks like when they have all these different pieces, it was impressive. Well, it is a weird game, by the way. So Matt, we just described Dallas's first quarter. And as you would expect, as a result, they're up 20 plus in the first quarter. 
And in the second quarter, it gets to five. Yeah. Right. So Oklahoma City basically erases the whole thing, which is which is how the NBA works anymore. Like yeah, it's almost it a is. bad thing to get up that big early. Like, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain it. And of course, they cut it to five. So you get it. I don't even do you know what the biggest lead was in the first quarter? I know it was more than 20. Was it like 22 or 24? Something like that. Then it went to five and it ended up 35. So it was a weird, it was a weird game. Right. Basically, Dallas Dallas basically withstood that run in the middle by Oklahoma City. And Shea was great during that. And it and they cut into, but then Dallas just, you know, just basically mows them down again in the second half. Um, here's a couple you know, things that I noticed about this game. And I listen, I was shocked when I was up in Bristol on Thursday for the trading deadline and the work that I was doing up there. And I was on a lot of shows talking about the trades and, and it seemed like all anybody wanted to talk about was the Knicks. And yes, the Knicks got better. We agree. Yeah. Knicks got better. There's no doubt. They had Burks and Bogdanovich, and they already had created a lot of buzz coming in to the all-star, to the trading deadline, and then they added guys, right? right? We get it. But every time I was getting – I'd get asked questions from producers, who are, who are the big winners Yeah, besides the Knicks? And I was surprised that some of these shows I went on, like they weren't looking at Dallas. I put Dallas second on the right. list as big winner that day, and I, I said – I thought these were really important acquisitions for this team. And you saw it in this game. It's a one-game sample size, but the difference that Gafford presents for this team in the middle as opposed to what they have. Because, look, I like Lively a lot. Lively is basically going to catch lob dunks. That's primarily what he's going to do. And then you've got Kleba, who's playing he's, – he's weird because I thought he's undersized. He's the exact same size as Daniel Gafford, and he plays – like he's a six seven guy, and Gafford plays yeah. like he's a seven one guy, but they're both six ten. And Cleveland, what does he do? He mostly pick and pops, and he plays hard. Don't get me wrong; he's a good defender and he offensive rebounds and stuff. But I'm talking about just his way of making shots. He's gonna pick and pop. He's gonna shoot threes. Gafford right. is skilled, man. Gafford can dive, catch, like catch it on the short roll, one bounce, jump stop, go up, finish over a guy like that smooth gather and go up he can obviously catch lobs super athletic um he, he's got a nice little shooting touch um out to a certain distance so i look at i looked at him when he left washington he plays so hard every night and i just thought this was a massive addition for a team that needs something like this in the middle and he's going to play with the best playmaker he's ever played with in his life and you saw it immediately the way luca was rewarding him the guy played 17 minutes and, and went seven for 11 from the field uh, 19 points, nine boards in 17 minutes. And then P.J. Washington, same thing. I said, I think this is an upgrade over Grant Williams. I, he's just a better offensive player. Um, and you don't he's not like maybe even give up anything defensively. He's more athletic, I think, than Grant Williams is defensively. Um, positionally, Grant Williams is a little bit better. Like throws his body in front of guys, takes charges and that. But P.J. Washington can get up off the floor a little bit better. So I just thought I was – I thought it was very understated on Thursday. Everything I was looking at, the impact that these two guys were going to have for the Mavericks, because I loved it. And yeah. it's one game, but it was a big game against a really good team. And those two guys played sensationally, and that's the best the Mavs have looked all year. So, you know, there's some correlation there. So this is going to be a very interesting storyline for me going forward with Dallas, the way that they looked in their first game and the impact that they're going to have going forward. 
By the way, PJ Washington a plus 24 off the bench in his 24 minutes, which is which is huge, 14 points, five rebounds. But I want to go back to Gafford and two of the points you brought up there I, I found especially interesting. One, four offensive rebounds in 17 minutes. And that was after the game, uh, Jason Kidd talked about it. It seems like every time we played him, he was killing us on the offensive board. So we knew he was going to bring that to the team. And he had one in particular, an and one that just the whole crowd went crazy. You talked about playoff atmosphere. I felt like he brought a certain energy to the game that yeah. everybody fed off of. Now, they were up big by the time he checked in, because as I mentioned, the starting lineup really, really played well. But that is something, you know, this no knock on Grant Williams. But I don't know if he had that effect on the team. And sometimes, especially in a team like Luca, I know a lot of people, one of the reasons I'm sure your producers didn't ask you about Dallas, they everybody likes names. Do you get a name? Have I heard that name before? Is it a star player? But sometimes you have Luca, you have Kyrie. Those are your names. Now you need guys that are going to do the things you need. And Gafford, to me, brings an energy and an intensity that I think elevates guys like Luca. And, and, you know, it's something that that team needed worse than whatever it was Grant Williams was bringing. Not fair. And I, look, I didn't, you know, I don't know what, how much of it's true, but you, you heard things after Grant, after the trade that he had ruffled some feathers that he just wasn't like connecting to people. And I didn't get that vibe from him in Boston at all. I thought what he was bringing to them, right. to the Mavericks, they desperately needed, they needed another guy that took that end of the floor seriously and get, gave up his body. And I thought, Based on how he had shot the ball in Boston, I thought he's going to get better shots in Dallas playing with Luka, and he's, so he'll be a better three-point shooter than he was in Boston. That just wasn't the case, man. For whatever reason, it didn't work. And give the Mavs credit because they recognized it, and they didn't just – you know, sometimes you make a move like that, you bring a guy in, and, and if you're the guy that's making the main decision to do that, you're going to just give him all kinds of opportunities to, like, prove that you're right. And they didn't, they didn't waste any time. It just wasn't working – and they went out and they improved their team. Um, and I'm saying the same thing about Bogdanovich and Burks in New York, going to New York. I'm like, can you imagine the lease that, like, the new lease on life given to these four players, <laughs> leaving Detroit and Washington? Like, and what that year looks like, what the morale looks like in the building, the atmosphere at the games. And now all of a sudden, boom, like you're out and you walk into a building the first day with the electricity of the garden, with the electricity of what's going on in Dallas and playing with a guy like Luca, like right off the bat, the very first pass he threw Gafford, like the look right. of Gafford's face, like running down a court was like, I, I, I've never gotten a pass that good in my life. Like Luca threw four or five passes in the first quarter of this game that I, I've said he, Jokic and LeBron are the only three guys in the league and Halliburton's close that can make certain passes. And it's because of their size, vision, but then their strength. Because the ball has to have velocity sometimes when you're throwing it 30, 40 feet in the air, right? And that's what Luka was doing in this game. He's picking the ball up above his head 40 feet out and throwing lasers to the opposite corner for threes, to the rim for dunks. Um, just an absolute, like, gutting. It's what he did. To the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first quarter. And Gafford and Washington, both the recipients of that. So you know they have to be thinking as that game's going on and even after the game, man, you'll go back and watch the film. They got to be thinking to themselves, like, how lucky did we get to get into this situation right now um, on a team that I think we're going to start talking about more and more seriously as a legitimate contender in the West. 
I do too. I wanna, I'm a little choppy leg, so stick with me, but I have a stat for you, and this came from MBA University about Josh Green. Over the last 15 games, Josh Green leads the NBA in made corner threes, and he's shooting 47.7% on them. So that to me, like sometimes guys need to have a spot, especially role players, pick a spot and, and be elite from there. And when you think about Josh Green, I know a lot of people, do you trust the shot? Do you not? Whatever, you know, that's a, a huge swing factor for him. But sometimes when you add these different pieces, guys get to play the same spot and they're going to, they know my shots are coming from here and in this way. And I kind of feel that way for a lot of the Mavs players now after this trade where I watch it and I go, I think guys are going to get consistent looks. And I think that just helps role players like a Josh Green. No, I completely agree with that. I, you know, and I, listen, I was a, also same, like, you know, spot up shooter when I was in the league and I can, you know, I can go down the list of teams I played with and the different guys I played with. And there's no doubt about it. That matters a lot. And and I've said it before, like, you know, and look, I, I, you know, I was a guy that, you know, that was what I was paid to do. You know, Josh Green's right. saying, but he, you know, there's other things they're asking him to do. That's part of it. And he's going to have to become more and more specialized, I think particularly with now, like this is a deeper team talent-wise. You're going to have to become really good at knocking that shot down. When you get the ball accurately delivered to you and you get it delivered it at the right time, and that might mean literally a quarter of a second, half a second at most, delivered to you earlier, It what that means is the difference between a, a either an open or semi-contested shot, which a good shooter is going to shoot a really high percentage on, or – a legitimately contested shot in which your percentages drop dramatically. And that's what Luka does. And that's what LeBron does. And that's what Jokic does. And that's what Halliburton does. And those are the guys I think are in a separate category from everybody else. Um, and you saw it on display here. And by the way, you know, we'd be remiss. We haven't really mentioned to this point, you know, how, how well Kyrie Irving's playing right now. So Kyrie missed that chunk of time. He's come back. He looks fantastic. Now, here's the thing with Kyrie. I will say this. I'm going, to be, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. The guy, throughout his career, he goes to these stretches. He misses time. He comes back. He's so into it. Like, he just, you know, and he's so good. It's ridiculous how talented he is. And he's so into it for a while. And then at some point, uh, he'll be out again for a while. So that's just kind of what you got to ride with Kyrie. But there is no denying the talent. And now when you have Luke and Kyrie out there together, and now enough, enough across the board. They've supplemented what the, the rest of their roster looks like now. More guys that can hurt you, that can stay in their lane and be super effective because of these two great offensive players. So, obviously, look, super impressed, both of us, with what we saw on Saturday. And now let's just see what happens here in the last 29 games because I think Dallas is going to start to be taken more and more seriously, like I said a second ago. I think what's exciting about the Kyrie, they remind me a little bit of the Cavs where you have Garland and Mitchell and then you have Mobley and Allen. And together, you know, that's that's your bread and butter. But being able to split them up to have basically two pick and roll, you know, you always have one of them on the court with an elite pick and roll partner. So when you get Lively back, you're going to have Luka and Lively and then right. you can go to a bench lineup that's going to have Kyrie and Gafford and then you have Derek Jones, who's also a phenomenal uh, pick and roll partner, and then PJ Washington, Maxi Kleber. They just, you're never, defenses are never going to have a moment off where it's like, okay, they went to their bad lineups with that group. And I think, and that's what you saw, by the way, in this game, 
it really was the Kyrie with uh, Gafford and, and Washington minutes that really killed. Again, all the lineups killed, but that one at the end of the first quarter, end of the third quarter, that with Kyrie and Luke on the bench is when the team really had their biggest runs. So, um, so I think that's one of the things about the Mavs that you know we're doing most interesting teams. They're definitely going to be on my list of most interesting teams because I think that they are um, better than what they have shown so far to this point, and they've looked really good in flashes. Any final thoughts on them? Uh, no, I think what you know what's going to be interesting is going to be once they get lively back, and and I think that's the, that's the only challenge left for Jason Kidd is going to be figuring out that rotation and what works best. And making sure that you know you're, you're putting the best units out there collectively at a time, that's going to have to play itself out a little bit um, once they get at full strength. But uh, that that was that was just something to watch, man. It was it was really absolutely amazing to watch what they did offensively to start this game, and then gave it all up basically uh, because Oklahoma City <laughs> started playing well, and then to say okay, let's go on another run here and 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 you know get up even more than we were early. It's crazy the way that they finished 75 points, I think they had in the second half of the game after getting 71 in the first half. So it's just uh, full throttle, impressive. And uh, I'm, I'm excited because I love watching Luca, but I love yeah. watching Luca even more when he's got everything at his disposal and you see the full package. Because he, he, he was so good in the first quarter game. It was an absolute reminder to everyone I think this is the most unstoppable offensive force in the NBA. With with right. way he can beat you as a scorer and passer, that's the best in one package that we have in this league. Yeah. Um, let's take a break. On the other side, uh, we'll get into the Warriors game, which had a really interesting finish as well. One of the best Curry game winners we've had in a while. Um, and I'll also say one last thing on the Mavericks here. They've won four in a row, and they have Washington and San Antonio before the All-Star break. Then a break to acclimate the new pieces. I think things are breaking really, really nicely uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. But we'll get to the Warriors on the other side. First, I want to tell you guys about Factor Meal Kit. Get started on your New Year's resolutions. If you haven't already, you're a little late to the party. But get started with Factor Meal Kits. They're ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. They have new meals that arrive on their website every single week, chef-inspired that fit a variety of di diets. You can do breakfast, you can do smoothies, you can do juices, and then you could do uh, lunches and dinners that are chef-prepared that fit the keto diet, vegetarian and vegan diet, protein plus, and a whole bunch of other options. You go on the website, you pick the ones you want, and then they come straight to your door. That's all the planning you need for your meals with Factor Meal uh, Kit. So head to factormeals.com slash all nba 50 that's factormeals.com slash all nba 50 and use promo code all nba 50 to get 50 percent off that's code all nba 50 at factormeals.com also want to tell you guys about the presenting sponsor of today's show and that is of course DraftKings. i did not have a great super bowl on DraftKings. i ended up betting chiefs in the first half then switching over to niners in the second half a perfect storm of bad bets for me but it was still fun. The NBA now takes uh, all of my attention on gambling on DraftKings for the rest of the year. And right now, if you bet $5 when you sign up, you win 200 instantly in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code ALLNBA. New customers bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings with ALLNBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 878-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Alrighty, let's get back to it, Legs, and talk about the other great game from the weekend, which was the Warriors beating the Suns in incredible fashion. Steph Curry with a, not quite a buzzer beater, but a go-ahead three-pointer with that left 0.7 on the clock. This was a back-and-forth game. We had a little bit of uh, jawing back-and-forth between the two teams. It was intense. We also saw the return of Gary Payton the second, which I want to talk about. But what stood out to you in this game? Man, oh man, I, there's, I don't know how much time we have because there's so many things that stood out to me. I think you, know, you just you just mentioned Gary Payton. We're going to get to him because that's really important, really, really important. And he reminded you how important, you know, because when guys are out that long sometimes, you do have to remind it when they come back, like what that brings. And he did. Uh, the shot at the end of the game, the pass from Pajemski on yeah. that play, it's one of the it's one of the most cerebral, well-executed plays you're gonna see any player make much less a rookie where he had to place that basketball to give curry the only chance he had to get his hands on it without it getting stolen and then the rest of course is just stupid what stir what curry does to spin out of that without dribbling and just fire a shot from that distance and he you know he credited it after the game to muscle memory and that's basically true you know that is that is millions of jumpers you know in your lifetime knowing where you are at every spot on the court the confidence to do it and the, the perfect stroke to do it. But you, more than anything, it's an awareness as you're coming out of the spin where yeah. you are and what the distance is. That's that's what makes that so special, what he did. Because there has to be just a nanosecond of your mind and your eyes to visually process where you are right before you shoot it. And, and that's all you have in that situation. And so that is muscle memory and, and greatness. It's what you saw right yeah. there. So here's here's my big take from this game. I'm starting to get super interested in Golden State. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, look, getting Gary Payton back, second back, is huge. Huge. I agree. I agree. His 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 defensive pressure, his uh athleticism, finishing ability. He's also one of those guys that just generates more juice from the home crowd. The, the people love him there. He just played. That was his third game, I think, since December 1st. So, I mean, the guy's been out basically the whole year and right. comes right. in and, and has immediate impact. There is going to be guards they're going to have to play against here down the stretch of the season. And if they get into the playoffs, whatever that ends up being at the end, there's just there's, there's these top-level guards that they're going to absolutely need him to play against some of these guys. So he, that was huge for me. Um, Wiggins? I think Wiggins, I've seen a little bit out of Wiggins lately, a little bit more. Kaminga continues to be great, and he was again in this one. Curry's been great all year. It's Clay and Wiggins, right? That's what we keep saying. It's those two guys. Clay continues to be just, man, the game is really difficult for Clay Thompson right now. There's no other way to put it. It looks like it's starting to come a little bit easier to Wiggins right now. That's a great sign. I don't know if they're going to get that extra 10, 15, 20% out of Clay Thompson of just improved play, I don't know anymore. I, I, I used to say, yeah, it's a matter of time. He'll go on a little bit of a run. I don't know anymore, honestly. He doesn't look right to me mentally. 
He doesn't yeah, look right from a confidence standpoint. He doesn't look right. Like he's not even feeling the game correctly yeah. right now. There's something internally going on with his frustration level, I think. And just he's demoralized. And it, yeah. it's tough. It's tough on a guy this great to be to be in this situation. So I don't know what's going to happen with Clay Thompson anymore the rest of the year. And if they don't get that out of him, it'll be very difficult to survive. Maybe the, the play-in, but that'd be it. If they get him back a little bit more and Wiggins continues to, to get back closer to what he was, they become really interesting now. Getting Peyton back um, and and even Podjemski, he's just a winner, man. He makes yeah, a lot. And Draymond looked great in this game too. Let's give Draymond credit because he played great in this game as well. They're interesting to me, Adam. And every time you want to get rid of them or I want to get rid of them or whoever, they just do something and they just kind of reel you back in. And it so revolves true. around Curry's greatness. Yeah. But now you're looking at – that's all we were looking at. Now we're looking at more than that with this team. And they're and they're back, what, to 500, I believe. Yeah, they're 500 now for the first time in a while. They're right there. Um, man, there's so much here to, to get to with this team. For one, I want to start with the Clay thing, even though it's not the biggest story at all to me. But I do think that there is a clarity that has arrived on this team once Steve Kerr came out and finally said, look, we, we're not always going to close with Clay. We got to, we're moving on. There was almost like everybody saw it, everybody knew it, including Clay himself. But I think that sometimes you need that emotional, hey, we're moving on into a new phase. And while Clay, I think, is still struggling with that personally, I think the rest of the team has slotted into place now of knowing, okay, we can play the way we used to with Pajemski, who, by the way, plays, fills that spot in their closing lineup and plays it really, really well. Um, so I think that that is the number one thing that I see from them. And then number two, I just think Gary Payton is such a major piece of this, obviously Draymond Green. And when you put both of those guys together, you're going to have a good defense. I mean, yes, they gave up 112 points to Phoenix, but Phoenix, their guys were making their shots. They made them work. It gives you a defensive presence and it allows you to stay in games so that you can have moments like the one you got from Steph Curry, uh, you know, last night. So for me, I look at this and I go, the last handful of games for the Warriors, but this one in particular, felt like the Warriors we've known for the last several years. And we haven't seen that very often from them uh, you know, this season. I kind of feel like they're getting it back. I agree. And I, here's the other thing. They did this on a night. Like, I didn't think that Phoenix played poorly in this game. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well from the three. They didn't get a lot of threes. But like... Look at, you know, Durant, Beal, and Booker. You know, Beal didn't get a ton of shots. He didn't get to the line. So he only had 15 points, but, you know, pretty, pretty efficient. Seven for 16. Booker was really good. 11 for 21 for 32. KD, 10 for 25 for 24. Right? So you get 71 points out of those three guys. So they played pretty well. Um, and yet they still lost. And this right. was a great, great game, by the way. Like the, the separation, ten. either direction yeah. was so narrow the entire game, man. Yeah. This isn't what we're talking about in the Dallas game. Like nobody got hit with a sledgehammer in this game. But right. they both stayed within arm's reach the entire time. And it was just a, a shootout. And then execution at the end of the game made all the difference. Um, and so it, this was probably as significant a win as they've had all year, I would say. Yeah. And that's got to feel good where they just were a couple of weeks ago and way they felt about themselves. And now, I don't know, man, this can be this can be something here that they can get on a little bit of a run, get some momentum, hopefully. Um, but it was it was just so important that they end up winning the game. They've lost 
They had the crunch time uh, records. They were talking about it on the air. I mean, it's just, no team has played more close games, and they've lost most of them. Right. And so they've been right there. So for them to lose another heartbreaker, like if they play that well, Curry misses that shot. You know, you take some solace in that, I guess, if you're current. You know, hey, we played great again. At this point in the season, but I don't they know. Need, yeah, at this point, Adam, they need those to end up as Ws. And they right. did it. They get the shot, and then they had a really bizarre sequence of events on the other end of the floor with seven-tenths of a second left after the shot where they right. foul. Wiggins fouls Booker. Like, the ball's just barely in the air because if he fouls him while the inbounder still has it, you're going to go shoot and get the ball back. Right. Right. So luckily the ball was in the air, but then it was like, okay, well, how much time went off once Wiggins fouled him? And then they, they reset it to six tenths, I think. And then they throw it cross court to KD on the last inbounds pass. And Draymond Green just does a great job basically face guarding him. Um, and the ball never really gets there and he fumbled it away. And Draymond had some very choice words for KD, uh, which I'm, I'm pretty good at reading lips and just being around that culture. I have a pretty yeah. good idea of the yeah. NBA culture. I mean, pretty good idea of what, what was said right there. Um, so it felt good to him, I'm sure, uh, against that particular player at home. And Draymond played really well oh. in the fourth quarter, had a lot to do with that. Um, so it was, and also again, the old Draymond Nurkic thing, which, you know, that's the guy Draymond, uh, you know, swung Aren't at you? to get that yeah. suspension. And here they were going up against each other. And it was all kinds of jawing going on between those two as well. So it was, it had everything you could want in an NBA game, man. Intensity, trash talking, High-level play and a dramatic finish. What more can you ask for? Well, the other thing I want to get to, I want to go back to this Draymond thing with Nurkic because the other thing that's happening right now for the Warriors is that they're playing small a lot. And obviously, small ball, they're the team that invented small ball or really popularized it to the degree that they have because of Draymond. But now you look at it, Looney played five minutes in this game, and that's been you know something they've been going to, some of these smaller lineups. They're the best at playing small. And last night you get Nurkic, who's one of the biggest guys in the NBA, just physically, you know, size-wise, and he wasn't that big of a factor. Yes, he had the he's too small play uh, on Draymond, but at the end of the game, they had to take him out of the game to get back into it. The Warriors have built a lead going at him, uh, you know, really taking advantage of him in the in the pick and roll and trying to drag him out with those dribble pitches. So they had to take him off the court. And to me, that's the most interesting thing about the Warriors. If you're going to buy Warrior stock and say that they can do the unthinkable and climb all the way back into this and then make a run in the playoffs. It's because you believe that Draymond Green and the guys behind them can play small and handle the bigs in the Western Conference. And I'm not sure they can do that to, to Jokic. I mean, that's maybe the one guy you look at. But Nurkic is no scrub, and they sure played him off the floor in this game. So that, to me, is the most interesting thing. Yeah, Draymond, after the game, said, you know, because with that back and forth when Nurkic scored on him in a post and went down and, like, really shrunk down and pounded the floor. Like, he's literally that small. I just squashed yeah. him like a bug. Yeah. Ran down the other end, and immediately Draymond catches the ball and backs him down and Loved scores it. over him in the paint, right? And he goes down and smacks the floor. It was great. But after the game, Draymond Green said, you know, he he said Nurkic outweighs me by 70 pounds. And I was like, wait a second now. Wait a second. How much is Draymond Green listed at? I, I don't know. I didn't look it up. He's got to be listed at like 230? Probably. Right? Uh, probably 230, yeah. Well, I mean, Nurkic is not, Nurkic is not a 300-pound player. I'm sorry. He's not 300 pounds. All <laughs> right. 280, though. Maybe he's probably 280. Yeah, I, thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah. I, I do want to ask you, like, real quick, a little bit off – like game topic, but afterwards, what Nurkic said 
based on Draymond Green's demeanor in this game. Nurkic said, it's a shame. It's sad. He didn't learn anything. He's exactly the same. It's a matter of time before he hits somebody else. What do you think? What do you think about what you saw out of Draymond and his emotions and the fact that the fact that he's kind of walking the line a little bit, man, he got a tech in this game, you know, where, you know, hey, he has another outburst later, you know, maybe he's ejected if he gets the second tech. Like, what did you, what are you feeling about what Draymond went through, suspended away from the team, embarrassment, everything that went on with him come, comes back and he's still so demonstrative toward the officials and other players and all that. Do you think that there's a correlation there at all? Or do you think that they're to- totally unrelated? Like his, that, cause that's who Draymond's always been, what you right. saw on Saturday, but what he did to Nurkic obviously really crossed the line. Do you see any correlation there? Like if you really saw a difference in Draymond, he would be less demonstrative toward officials as well as a, as a means to demonstrate, look, I'm more in control. I think these things are connected but not, I, I disagree with Nurkic that I don't think anything he did. Draymond kicks people, you know, he punches people, he, he flails, he does, you know, he does those types of things, punches teammates. But the intensity that he plays with does not bother me. Now, those two things, like you are right that there's a line and sometimes Draymond can get too close. But I don't think that what Nurkic said, oh, clearly he hasn't won anything. No, you talk trash to him. He talks trash back. That was an intense game. You lost. So for me, I laughed at... Nurkic's comments after the game. I don't know if Draymond is, you know, recovered from whatever ever things were bothering him. I just don't think he has done anything since returning that would lend you to be able to say that, you know, he hasn't learned his lesson or whatever yeah. Nurkic was trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear, I kind of heard what Nurkic is saying just from the standpoint of, okay, yeah, he didn't punch anybody, but that looked exactly like the same guy emotionally, like at times not in control of his emotions. And that's what it's all about. So I was just curious to get your thoughts on that because I thought there was a little bit of of truth in what Nurkic is saying just from the standpoint of I don't see anything different. Like you'd think a guy that went through that and cost his team that much and knows that he's basically playing for his career right now at this point right. that would, would maybe just go out of his way, not necessarily where you're just up and down the floor all stoic. And in fact, Draymond said, you know, he called Nurkic a quiet guy, and he said, "I don't know, whatever will be a quiet guy. Quiet guys lose a lot. Something right, to that effect." Right. I thought was really right. funny, but it was just like I don't know. I thought that was an interesting dynamic, and I tell you what, based on that little interaction between those two guys, I hope we get some seven game a seven game series out of Phoenix Golden State, man. At some yeah. point, I just think that would be so fun because of the history with Durant, the history with Durant and Draymond, Nurkic and right. Draymond. It's just the greatness across the board, you know. I would love to see that, but I oh, I would love to see it if Clay Thompson was just better, and then you'd really have something on your hands to see a series like that. I don't think we're going to get a series, but it is possible you can get a play-in. I mean, look, I don't think Phoenix is going to fall to the play-in, although at the moment they're tied for that set five, six, seven seed. But I just don't see how they would match up in a playoffs unless. No, somehow, you're right. You're right. That's. I was thinking. I was thinking more perfect world type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. If you go to state at this point, look, they got to be feeling a lot better about themselves. They have won seven out of 10. Okay. They've won four in a row. Right. And they're getting guys back. So that's got to feel, that's got to feel good to them. And, and now it's Kerr's got a tough challenge on his hands with the Clay Thompson stuff the rest of the year, baby. How he's going to handle all that. And is Clay going to, as I expect him to be, as he was in the game on Saturday, I'm watching him on the bench at times. 
and he's just very supportive teammate. You know, he's just not a moper. He's not going to be moody over there. He's hard on himself, and more than anything else, while this ticks him off, I'm sure, and he's he's very competitive. I also know that he also knows like this is probably what's what's fair. The way I've played, yeah. this is probably what's fair, and I have to I have to rise above it and and, and ac- accept it. It's a very difficult thing for a player to come to terms with, uh, and that's what he's doing. So, yeah, there there uh, was great, great, great game. One of the best games I watched all year. One of the best finishes I've watched all year. Uh, and uh, give me more, give me more Warriors right now. I'm, I'm having fun watching them. Well, I, the one guy we didn't talk about, and we won't have time. We got to move on, but Kaminga continues to impress. I know he's your guy. You called it at the beginning of the year. He's really coming into his own. And another stat from NBA University, over the last 15 games, pretty good sample size, Kaminga is fourth in the NBA in field goals made at the rim, and he's leading the entire NBA in field goal percentage. His ability and his determination to get to the rim lately is what stands out to me. And he has an incredible, not first step, but ability to go from walk to sprint. So when he's bringing the ball up or something, you know, he just – lulls you to sleep and then all of a sudden goes and he's so quick at that and he's been so um tenacious just trying to like go through or around or through defenders and he is honestly that's his game to me just get to the rim at all costs he seems something seems to have clicked for him with that and to me it changes the dynamic gives them another punch um you know to that team that i just really like we got to keep it moving though legs um let's take our final break on the other side we'll go quickly into the teams that you found to be the most interesting um after this trade deadline i find it very interesting can't wait to hear your list we'll go through that first i got to tell you guys about the game time app if you're trying to make plans for this weekend or just looking to go to a game somewhere in the nba check out the game time app you'll get all those flash deals last minute ticket deals you can even set an alert maybe you're looking for the weekend and you see a game on uh, actually, we have the All-Star break this uh, weekend, so maybe it's just this week, and you want to keep your eye on a Wednesday or Thursday game. You set the little alert, and then it'll give you a, a push notification whenever the tickets prices have dropped. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code ALLNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's ALLNBA. Get $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, legs. I challenged you to come up with a list of teams that you are most interested in watching here as we get to the home stretch. We're almost at the home stretch. Who are those teams? All right, so I, I had four come to mind. Two of them we've already talked about a lot. Dallas and Golden yeah. State. They were, they were two of the teams on my list, um, and so we covered them enough. So we'll talk about the other two, and they're both from the Eastern Conference. Um, right. It's going to be one, I think, fairly obvious one is the Knicks for yeah. me. Because and and here's is more to it than just oh they got better they're gonna be interesting they were already really getting very interesting to me it's um, getting getting this level of depth now is going to be so interesting to watch in this team because I, I always felt like after certainly and after they made the Barrett trade and I was I'm not a huge R J Barrett fan I understand you know he's a good player but I I just thought that you know the three of those guys paired together was going to be tough and they made the move and I know he's a better fit. Um, I always wondered though, like if 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 in any way Jalen Brunson were hobbled or not a hundred percent, or and I don't know if this is even possible anymore. He's so good, bottled up by somebody it, defensively right. in a playoff series, and then you got Randall. Okay, and then vice versa. Let's say Brunson's fine, but Randall, who's had moments in the playoffs that have been tough to get through, and now I felt like you did give up a more like natural scorer in Barrett who, and he played pretty well in some playoff games last year for a guy that's more of a role player offensively in Ananobi. 
how do they how are they going to have enough like in a playoff series if if one of those two star players are struggling? Yeah. Well, they just got two other guys that have a pretty good yep. impact on that end of the floor, right? So that goes without saying. But here's the challenge. I'm very curious to see now what does Tom Thibodeau do with some of this depth and rotation, and and specifically, Precious Achua is a guy to me that has played his way heavily into this rotation, and but now you added Bogdanovich, so and they're going to be playing a lot of the same position. Um, so and look, this is Thibodeau's. This is Thibodeau's problem, and everybody, all coaches will say, oh, "Yeah, that's a good problem to have." Well, not, I mean, most coaches, no, not really. They don't want to have twelve guys there that all deserve playing time. To all be right. honest with you, they don't. They they'd rather have give me a really solid eight. I'll stretch it to nine if I have to. If you're going ten, it's really difficult. You're probably not good enough because that, that top nine isn't good enough. So, what do you think about that? Like, that's going to be interesting to me to see how that rotation plant pans out right now Ananobi's out Randall's out all right, all right you say, so you just added two new guys that just come in you got to figure out how the best way to work that um but to me the New York Knicks have played themselves into a team that their ceiling is conference final and I didn't feel that way about them before the trading deadline I can tell you that uh, for me maybe even higher I just I really love the Knicks team but the thing well, for me so is, you're coming out right now here live on the air and predicting the Knicks to beat the Celtics. That is a big statement, Adam. Different, different from a that prediction. That is a big statement. It's not a prediction. You said ceiling. Ceiling is the best possible scenario. For me, their best possible scenario, you know, I don't want to put a cap on it just yet. The only problem I have with the take you had is about the Knicks is that I'm not sure we're going to see it because of Randall's return even a Mitchell Robinson, just because no, I think we're not going to... Yeah, I didn't mention Mitchell Robinson, right. So I think we're just going to have... We might not actually get to see them over this next 30 games, this final 30 games. We might never get to see it until right right at the very end. So that's the only reason. But I agree with you that they're still going to be compelling even without Randall. Um, but, you know, that it'll be a race against time. All right, what's your other team? Other team has to be the Bucks. Um, okay. Yeah. Going into the season... I, you know, I thought after the acquisition of Lillard and we wanted to see how that played out, I thought that it was it was two teams clearly better than the rest of the conference. And because at that point, we hadn't really seen what it would look like with Tyrese Maxey now, like elevating to that that role in this status. And, you know, we had to see that. Obviously, you know, he he proved it. So Philly was in the mix there for a while, but at the beginning of the year, it was Bucks Celtics, man. You know, best based on just what they added, it's like, wow, this is gonna be this is gonna be awesome two team horse race. And then you know the Bucks just from the very beginning were just like, we kept asking, right? What's what's going on with the Bucks, man? Like they can't guard anybody. This is right. getting sort of ridiculous here. What's going on with this team? And so it led to a guy getting fired um, at what? 30 and 13 or whatever his record was. I think that's what it was. Time. Yeah. 30 and 13, I think. And, and they fired him because of that concerned about not the adjustments not being made on that end. And I thought some of his personnel based that, that I don't know how they're going to address that. Well, they tried to address it somewhat at the trading deadline with Patrick Beverly. And, and they also made a change to bring in doc rivers, a proven guy that's won a championship in this league, you know, been coached in hundreds of playoff games. And just more of a veteran presence on that bench that maybe can get a little bit more out of these guys because you get more respect, make them more accountable without getting pushback, that kind of thing. 
And, you know, he comes in, he'll get nowhere near judgment of Doc Rivers. But, you know, he goes one and four in his first five. They, they blow out Charlotte the other night. But I'm really interested to see, man, what impact exactly does Doc Rivers have on this team? Am I going to look at them 10, day, 10 games from now differently than I do right now, which is incredibly vulnerable? I'm not sure I would pick them right now in a seven-game series against the Cleveland Cavaliers or a healthy Knicks right. team. Right. I don't know that I would. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I don't have to do it, so I don't have to go on a record here. And I'm just saying that's how much it's changed for me. Like, it's not a foregone conclusion anymore. Who's going to play the Celtics in the conference finals? And and I think that's what I want to see now going forward. I'd be so interested to watch the Bucs night in and night out to see what impact does Doc have and does Patrick Beverly bring the toughness and the, just the want to and the energy and desire and passion for the defensive end of the floor. Does that help this team at all? Yeah. The one team you didn't mention that I find interesting is Miami Heat. I'm kind of curious to see what they do. They have not looked very good lately. They made the big trade. They're just the one team that I just, I'm curious if they can throw their hat in the ring here and remind us. I mean, they had a, a, a no Jimmy Butler on Sunday, almost beat Boston. It was a very impressive display from them, even in a loss. But I'm just curious to see if they can become a team that going into the playoffs, we wouldn't be surprised if they had another run like the one they had last year. Right now, I would be surprised, I think, just because I haven't seen a lot from them lately. But they're the, la the one team you didn't mention on e in either conference and that, that I find pretty interesting. No, that, that's fair. I, and neither one of us said Cavs, by the way. Um, and, and I don't know. And I think, I don't know, for you, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, the reason I didn't say the Cavs is because I feel like I've got a really good grip. Yeah. <laughs> on what they are like i yeah. pretty much know what that team is um and the question for me for them is going to be mitchell in the moments when he's going to have to be great for them yeah. that's what's gonna that's what it's going to come down to there's no question their defense gives them a chance every night and they've right. got plenty of shooting and they've got three really good guards so but i feel like i kind of know I still don't know exactly what the Knicks can become. I don't know what the change is going to be with the Milwaukee Bucks. I actually disagree with you a little bit on the Heat. I, I, I'm, I, and I, I know they're still going to be dangerous. And I've said this before, they have Spolstra. And that yeah. always gives me hope that they're going to figure out a way. He's going to get everything he can out of this team. But there's something missing about them this year when I watch them. So yeah. I, don't, I didn't give them as an answer. Actually, I would have said the next team I would have said is probably Indiana. Once I get Halliburton and Siakam yeah. together for a much longer period of time, I want to see what that looks like. Yeah. As we start to do this, there's so many teams. I mean, New Orleans, I know we've talked about them a lot this year. You could even say Orlando, who's had some injury, you know, bad injury luck that I think disguises just how good they can be. So uh, the, the NBA is in a good spot, man. This final 30 games is going to have a lot of movement. A lot of jockeying for position that I think is going to be good. And there's just a lot of teams I'm, I'm curious to see what they become. Um, that does it for today. A very uh, it plagued Monday for us with some technical difficulties behind the scenes. But we made it through legs. We made it through. Yeah. And I thought we had a great show. A uh, lot of good discussion today. Yeah, well, and, and the games over uh, the weekend dictated that for us. It's always nice when anybody writes a good script for us because there was some really compelling stories coming out of the weekend. Uh, and now we head into tonight. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Can't wait for it. If you're new to the show, make sure to subscribe. Check us out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, every single week talking hoops. We appreciate you watching. Hit that like button for us on the way out. Wait, Adam, read the super chat. 
Oh, super chat from Cedric. Super Thank chat. you. What are the odds of a four-way tie come the playoffs? I'm guessing he's talking legs about the top of the Western Conference, which at the present, four teams separated by half a game. I think it's possible. Definitely possible. Certainly never happened. I'm, I'm certain of it in the history of the of of maybe any team sport where you had four teams at the top all tied. I have a feeling something's gonna happen. Sometimes something's gonna separate those teams, whether it's it's an injury or something like that. There's gonna mm -hmm. be something that's gonna happen uh, to get a little bit of clarity there. It is fascinating to me though. We were sitting here this late into the season, not knowing really how that's going to play out in terms of seeding. I never expected the Clippers to be in the mix for the number one seed because right. uh, I didn't think it was going to be important to them. And I figured guys would miss time and they would just try to get themselves ready by March 15th for a one-month run into you know before the playoffs started. Now you look up, Clippers might end up with home court advantage throughout the playoffs or throughout the Western Conference playoffs, which would be amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go, Cedric. We got it in at the buzzer for you. Thanks, everybody. Hit that like button on the way out. Like the mayor.